We just thank you so much for that gift of Jesus Christ. That we have so much to look forward to. That we have hope in this life. We have hope in the next, Lord. I just pray for a spirit of unity and growth in this room, Father God. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Hey, welcome to Genesis Church. Uh, why don't you take a moment and say hi to the people around you. You haven't taken a seat go ahead and take one um but yeah i just want to welcome you here and just say that we're really glad that you're here uh with us this morning at genesis and maybe this is your first morning or or you've only been here for a few weeks if uh you have some questions about genesis you want to know how to get involved how to get plugged in what we're all about there's an opportunity after the third service the next service that is ideal for you um it's a lunch and it literally is a free lunch there's really no sales pitch there's just a lot of information and time for you to hang out uh, glad to have you here today. My name is Paul Muma. I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis, and we're continuing uh, in this series called Chasing the Almighty, wrapping it up today. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to take them and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 17. We'll get there in a few minutes, but I'll let you get a head start. Uh, we've been talking about what it means to trust Jesus and the importance of honoring Him uh, with our finances, the way we handle and view our finances. And all throughout the Bible... Money is portrayed as God's chief competition, and little has changed over time, especially in America. In 2011, it's still God versus money. Which one is it in your life? Well, Jesus said no one can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. And so for the sake of this series, we've been asking, who are you chasing? Uh, Who is it that you're chasing after? Are you chasing God or are you chasing money? You can't run in two different directions at the same time. Now, how do we move in the direction of God? Uh, what can we do to make sure that we're chasing God and not chasing money? Well, I'd just like to say that many of you are demonstrating that in your life right now. And I want to say thank you uh, for your faithfulness, for your generosity, for your giving, uh, because you're sacrificing uh, and you're chasing hard after God and you're prioritizing and you're loving and in giving in every way that you can and know how. Now, I also know that some of you here today, you're leaning in the direction of God. You want to chase God with all of your life. You just don't know where to go from here. You don't know how to get started in that. Uh, I want you to know that we can help, and we want to be that kind of church that can offer that help and that assistance to you. And we'll talk a little bit about that this morning. But I also know that for some of you, when it comes to this topic of money and generosity and giving, um, you don't care to talk about it and really don't want to discuss the subject any longer, and that's okay. But I will tell you this, we won't ever quit talking about this subject of money, uh, and we're not going to shy away from talking about relevant subjects that are important to this church uh, and important in your life. But know this, God isn't interested in your money. He's not interested in your money. He doesn't need it. He never has and he never will. But God knows this. He knows that there is a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think about and handle money. And he knows that where your money is, that that is where your heart will be. And he is a God who is very selfish for your affection. He is selfish for your attention and for my attention. And he wants to give us freedom in return. 
Over the past couple of weeks, we've talked about several things. We've talked about the dangers of greed and fear. We've talked about the false security found in both. Last week, we talked about freedom. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to either message, you can go to our website and have a listen for yourself. But this morning, I want to talk to you about generosity. And it's about giving. Uh, generosity is extending yourself. It's about giving beyond what is expected. And I believe confidently and passionately that God wants to create a generous giver out of every single one of us, out of this Genesis church. And his desire is that you would be willing to give freely of your time, your talents, and your treasures. If you're taking notes, God desire, his desire, his plan for you is that you would be a generous person. But let's just say this, uh, generosity can be a challenge, can't it? Uh, it's not one that comes easy uh, for most of us. And if you've never done it before, if you've never had anyone model this in your life, if you've never had anyone teach this for you, uh, it's difficult to get started in it. Uh, I remember when my wife Jenny and I were first married and first started attending a church together and started giving. You know, we hadn't been married for very long and it was really challenging. It didn't come easy for us. And, and we gulped every time, even as little as the check was just out of college. Every time we wrote that check, it was like, oh my goodness. I mean, what else could we do that check or is there going to be enough when we're all through? And so sometimes we complained uh, and sometimes we were really nervous and anxious about it. We didn't always give cheerfully, but we stuck with it. And I am so thankful that we did. I'm so glad that we did because it is such a blessing to give and it is such a blessing to be blessed by God in return. Now, generosity and, and giving, it doesn't always come easy for us. It doesn't come easy because from early on in life, we're taught to trust money. We're taught to chase money, to put all of our faith and all of our hope in money. You know, and so we chase the money thing. We're conditioned to believe that money can lead to security and fulfillment. And so we hold on to it and we grip it. And let me just say this too, that there is nothing wrong with money. Uh, money is not evil in and of itself. And Jesus doesn't have a problem with people who make money. And he never asked us to take an oath of, prop, uh, of poverty. Uh, he isn't against people with money either. And sure, he spent a lot of time talking about giving. And he spent a lot of time talking about his feelings towards the poor. But he wasn't only friends to the poor. Uh, he was a friend to the rich too. People like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and Lazarus were all rich and friends of Jesus and he never condemned them for their wealth. But what he did say is this, as Christians, we are called to a way of life. We are called to this higher standard of living, a life of giving and a life of generosity. Paul talks about this in 1 Timothy chapter 6 as he encourages people like you and me in our life and in our giving. And beginning in verse 17, he says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, before you read a verse like this and, and kind of cast it to the side saying, well, I'm not rich, so this obviously doesn't speak to me. Let me just ask you this question. Uh, do you have a car? Or let me take it one step further. Do you have a, a bedroom that your car sleeps in at nighttime so that it doesn't get snow or ice or frost on it? Uh, 2.4 billion people living in this world today make less than $1,000 a year. I'm pretty sure that we all qualify under this rich talk here. But don't focus on the rich language. I don't want to talk about the rich language as much as I want to talk of and focus on the generous language because you may not think you're rich, but are you generous? 
Are you generous with what God has given to you? As followers of Jesus, we are responsible, as this verse says, we are called to a life of generosity. And Paul says that when you do that, when you live a generous life and give with what you've been given, when you give in these ways, you are building up a strong foundation, one that doesn't crumble or break, but a strong foundation that will last for all eternity, that your generosity will lay up treasures in heaven and not here on earth. So again, generosity is about going beyond what's expected or what's normal. It's about sharing our resources with God. It's about sharing our resources with others freely. It's our generosity that has the ability to make us very distinct as followers of Jesus Christ in this world, that the whole world will look and go, wow, what is it that motivates them in their generosity? Well, I want to talk about three different types of giving or generosity with you today, and I want to touch on these briefly, and then we're going to wrap up this whole series, and I'm going to give you three questions uh, to take with you as you leave today, three questions to be thinking about for yourself. But three types of giving that we see in scriptures, the first one is this, it's the most common, the most well-known, it's the tithe. Uh, It's the word tithe, if you want to write that down in your notes. Now, tithing is first described in Genesis and Leviticus, and the word tithe means tenth part. It's 10%. Uh, 10% to be given back to God. There were free will offerings too in the Old Testament, but 10% was mandatory. That the people of God were required to give back to God 10% of everything that they received. So if you got a birthday card with $10 in it, you were to give God a dollar back. Uh, if you were to receive $100 from, from a special assignment that you had covered that week, you gave $10 back to God. And, uh, and, and that's what we were called to do. That's what, that, that's what the Old Testament describes for us. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Notice that it says the first fruits, the best, the very beginning. Don't wait until there's a leftover to figure out what you... Don't get to give God your leftovers, but give God your first fruits. Now the tithe, or 10%, was the expectation in the Old Testament before the blessing of Jesus. All right, before we arrive at the New Testament and before we were given the gift of salvation and eternal life in Jesus. And so for Christians, we are not necessarily under the law of the tithe today, but a greater expectation. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2 says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections have to be made. Now, it's easy to look at a verse like this and go, whew, see, there we go. I don't have to do the tithe thing. I can choose and let it be whatever it needs to be. And so I must be released from that. Well, while there is no mention specifically of the tithe after the Gospels, when given the opportunity, even Jesus Christ validated the tithe. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus was confronting the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and he said this, Matthew 23, verse 23, he starts off and says, woe to you. And anytime Jesus uses the word woe in the Bible, it's not a good thing, all right? So he says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Now, here's what I want you to see in this. Jesus had the opportunity here to eliminate the tithe and the teaching of the tithe, but he didn't. And instead, he said, don't neglect the tithe and don't make the mistake of not living out your faith either. And so the question may come up, well, as Christians then, as followers of Jesus today, are we under the law of the tithe? Well, I don't think so, but hear me when I say this. I do believe there is a timeless truth behind the concept of giving God your first. 
and giving God from the very best of what you have. And whether or not the tithe is still the minimal of these first fruits, the minimal measuring point, I can't help but ask, does God expect me to give less or to give more? And my answer, and what I believe the scriptures teaches, is that God expects us to be generous, to extend ourselves beyond what is expected. And when it comes to giving, Jesus didn't lower the bar on giving. I believe he raised the bar for us. And so I believe that the tithe, or 10%, can be a great measuring point for you in your growth in this area of generosity. It can be a great reference point or a a great short-term goal. One of my favorite verses when it comes to giving is found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, when God says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I heard about one pastor in Louisville uh, who asked his accounting department to do a little research on how the church was doing, how his particular church was doing in this area of giving. And he has a church of about a 1,000 people. And he discovered that the average gift given annually uh, per person, per year, uh, came to about $230. So of this 1,000 people, 1,000 people standing before God basically saying, I only make $2,300 a year, here's my 230 bucks. Now, Obviously, this is just an average, but it's what it played out to. And so they were talking about this at their church. And as a way of illustrating this on a Sunday morning, this pastor walked out on stage with a wheelbarrow full of big bags of dog food. And he dumped them out on stage. And then he announced this. He said, the $230 a year we are giving per person to this church, well, it's about the same amount of money that it costs to feed a pretty good sized dog every year. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine the shock on people's faces as he said all this? But from there, he went on to talk about tithing and about how giving is a reflection of what's going on in your heart. What's most important to you? And the pastor went on to say that if you claim to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, well, then don't you think he deserves a little bit more than your dog does? And he's right. And the same challenge is true for us. And maybe it's not a pet, but maybe it's a car or a hobby or something else. Now, I know that this giving talk and this generosity stuff might be really new for some of you. And I realize that there are a bunch of people here at Genesis Church and you're new to church or maybe new to Christianity and all that. And we're so excited to have you here. And we praise God that you're here with us. And you just keep on coming back and you keep growing with us and and everything having to do with God and His will for our life. And know this, none of us is perfect. None of us has this stuff figured out. And maybe you've never been taught about giving and maybe you've never been taught about generosity and there's no shame in that at all. But I pray and I hope that maybe this is a good time of challenge for you. Uh, Maybe a starting point for you uh, in your life and in your growth and your relationship with Jesus. And I hope that maybe even after today you'll feel led by God to take some steps in giving to this church or whatever church you choose to call your church. Now maybe you say, I don't make much. Uh, How can my gift really amount to anything? Well, you're not giving here to enhance your status at this church. Your salvation doesn't cost a thing. It's a free gift given to us by God. This giving stuff is all about your growing relationship with God. It's about saying, I trust you. I'm chasing you, God. It's a matter of surrender and a matter of obedience. The Bible offers us a measuring point, not a dollar amount. And every gift counts. Every gift adds up. 
Start somewhere. I think 10% is a great starting point. If 10% is the only thing that is keeping you from being generous with God and with his church, then you pray to God and ask God, God, what would you have me give at this point in my life? And by all means, follow what God puts and lays on your heart. But giving and generosity is a way of demonstrating who your priority is and who you're chasing after. The second area, the second type of giving that we see in the Bible is known as free will giving. And this is what the church at Philippi did when they supported the Apostle Paul. And for you and me, free will giving is when we go over and above, when we feel led by the Spirit to support programs and ministries outside of this church. And opportunities are going to come along if they haven't already for you to do that. Someone will ask you to support them as they go on a mission trip or a missionary, a family that's in need. Uh, maybe you'll hear about a parachurch ministry, a great opportunity like Campus Crusade for Christ or, or Young Life or something. Again, great ministries. And a free will gift is when you give over and above what you regularly give to your church to support opportunities like these because you believe too that they are also helping people find their way back to God. Now... If you don't support the cause or if you don't trust the leadership in these situations, you don't give. And let me just say that's the case here, too, because if the only thing that is preventing you from giving or tithing right now to Genesis Church is a lack of trust in leadership or a lack of trust in direction, then let me just be straight with you. You might come to a point where you need to go find another church. And you go find a church where you can trust the leadership and the direction of that church. And then when you get there, you need to start giving immediately. Quit withholding from God the things that he has asked of you because of your your lack of trust in any leadership or at least the excuse that you make in that. I mean, we talk a lot about the three C's at Genesis Church, three core commitments. You know, we don't have church membership here, but we give you the opportunity to demonstrate with your life that this is my church. This is where I'm digging in. I want to be grounded. And so we talk about the three C's. We talk about celebrate. It means to come in here and to worship with us on a weekly basis and then to walk out these doors and to live your life glorifying God and all that you do. We talk about the word connect and what it means to be in relationships with others. Don't do life alone. And then we talk about what it means to contribute. And there's two parts to that. It's giving of your time and your talents uh, to serve in this church, to serve outside of this church uh, for the sake of the kingdom of God but it's also to give of your financial resources as well. It's hypocritical to call this church or any church your own and not give freely and cheerfully to the work that God is doing through that place. Now the question might come up, well, do I need to give to ministries outside of Genesis Church when you're already given to missionaries and to a church plant and to uh, the, the great ministry that's happening in Haiti? Yes, Yes, I think free will giving is a great place to grow in your life, to grow in your generosity and to be challenged in. Don't make 10% the finish line for you. Let it be the starting point of the work that God wants to do in your life. A great short-term goal for you. Let God take you beyond 10%. And if you've been given 10% for 20 years, well, we probably don't do much of the same that we did 20 years ago. You know, things change. And maybe it's time to open up your heart to God and say, God, what do you want to do through me now? How can I grow even in this area of generosity? Remember, generosity is giving beyond what is expected. The third and final area of giving that we read about in Scripture is sacrificial giving. This is extravagant giving. Extravagant giving. This is big-time sacrifice. Uh, this is the type of gift that you make that if your friends found out about it, they'd call you crazy. They'd say you'd completely lost your mind. Do you remember the story in John chapter 12? Mary took a a pint of pure nard, which is an expensive perfume. And the scriptures say that she poured it on the feet of Jesus. 
The Bible says that that bottle of perfume was worth one year's wages. That's one year's salary. That's a Valentine's gift that none of us men are going to be able to live up to by any means. But Mary had a whole bottle of it worth a whole year's wages and she poured it over the feet of Jesus. And as she poured, Judas was sitting nearby the whole time thinking, what a waste, what a waste. That money could have been used for something else. And what did Jesus do in that moment? He looked over at Mary and he commended her for her faith. He commended her for her sacrificial gift. Now, why in the world would Mary do such a thing? Oh, yeah, Jesus brought her brother back to life. What a great way. Seems like a pretty good reason to demonstrate sacrificial giving. See, here's what motivates sacrificial givers. Here's what gets behind sacrificial givers. It's the fact that Jesus still brings people back to life today. That he still has the ability to do that. That even today he still raises the dead. And sacrificial givers are motivated by their own salvation and they're motivated knowing that their lost dad or their lost sister or a friend might find new life in Jesus too. And so every once in a while, God will come along and he'll challenge you to give in a sacrificial way, a gift that's totally out of proportion with your normal giving. And it'll be one of those times where God takes you out on a limb and he'll say, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Test me in this, as Malachi 3.10 says. You know, we were planning for our big next event uh, last year at about this time, getting ready for the big ask and uh, we're going to celebrate that this morning. We'll talk about that in a few minutes as we get started in our building project uh, here at 1702 Pleasant. And uh, as we were getting ready uh, to invite you as a church to make two-year pledges, to make sacrificial gifts uh, to this great project, um, I was challenged too. And we've been working with a, a man, a consultant, former pastor, great man of God, and he comes alongside of churches like Genesis and he helps you think about, okay, what does it mean to make sacrificial gifts? But in particular, great coaching for me uh, of what it means to lead your church into such a, a big time opportunity. And, and, and I love Brad and I'll remember the one day he was sitting in my office and he looked across the desk at me and he said, uh, Mr. Pastor, what sacrificial gift are you going to give? Well, I knew that my wife and I were going to give, and I knew that we would give as much as we could give, but I knew that his question went much deeper than that. Because he was saying, Paul, if you're going to ask people to give a sacrificial gift that others might call them crazy for, then you better be willing to lead that and demonstrate that with your own life and in your own giving. This Brad's a smart guy, but he drives me a little crazy at the same time too. And so Jenny and I, we talked and we prayed about it. Uh, thankfully, she's a lot more generous than I am, and it comes a lot easier for her. But God laid this idea for us of what if we committed three months' salary to this next project. And, and so we prayed about it, and we talked about it. It made us nervous. It made us anxious. I mean, we're a one-income home. We've never made a sacrifice or a pledge like that in our life. But we believed in what God is doing through this church, and we were trusting Him for what was coming next. And so we made this sacrifice. We made this pledge. And, uh, and I don't tell you that, and I didn't share that with you a year ago, so you go, oh, wow, our pastor is so cool and groovy and does all these neat things. No, we did this because I wanted to be able to say, hey, I'm in this too. You know, I believe in this, and I'm willing to make the same sacrifice that we're asking you to make. And so we moved ahead. I was humbled and still humbled and amazed as I watched you make pledges. And as these gifts came in and these, these gifts continued to come in, uh, sacrifices that are far greater than my wife and I made. And, and I'm not just talking about dollar amounts either, but I'm talking about great steps of faith of people who are saying, I'm in this, you can count on me, we're trusting God for what he wants to do next. How am I feeling about my pledge and my giving 10 months later? I'd make that pledge again in a second. 
And I'm so thankful and I'm so blessed with what God's doing in my life. And we've put some things on hold. We've had to make some sacrifices. Uh, I appreciated those of you who said, you know, if I see you walking alongside of the road, Paul, we'll pick you up and we'll give you a ride. But wouldn't you know it, our air conditioner and our furnace went out right after we got started. You can count on that. That kind of stuff always happens. We've had stuff break in our house. We've fixed cars and we've still taken trips and we've paid more on our mortgage in the last year than we've ever paid in our life. And my wife and I have more than we ever need. And why? Because God said, says, test me in this. Test me in this generosity stuff and see if I'm not still the sovereign God who is faithful to his word, who doesn't reward those who give sacrificially. If you've been there, and I know many of you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about because God is faithful. And if you aren't trusting God with your giving right now, then you're missing out on what it means to see God work in these awesome and these mighty ways. You know, many of you Many of you are giving faithfully and sacrificially to Genesis. Why? Because you know that God still brings dead people back to life today. The Bible says that when we are in Christ, we are a brand new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And you're giving to projects like Next, and you're going out on a limb that there's a little boy, there's a little girl, there's a student, there's a mom or dad that might just come to know Christ in this church because of our willingness to follow God and to take a step of faith with Him. Friends, Jesus is worth it. He, he is so worth it. And even as we start next today, I tell you this, and you've demonstrated generosity, Genesis, and I'm so proud of you. We're just getting started. Now, we're starting tomorrow on phase one, but this is only the beginning of everything that God wants to do through this church. And there are a lot of things still to come, and we're going to keep trusting him in that, and we're just getting warmed up. But let me say this to you. If God invites you to jump out of the boat of your life and to walk on water, don't miss the opportunity to see God like you've never seen him work in your life before. If you missed out jumping in on next, uh, if you passed for whatever reason, you can still jump in. God can use your gifts. He will use your act of faith and he will bless you because of it. And I can promise you that you will never waste a dime when you are committed to helping people find their way back to God in this world. You will never waste a dime. We have to bring this to a conclusion, and, uh, and I want to go back to Matthew 6 for a moment. We started there a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to end there. I want to show you a couple of verses, and then I'm going to give you just a few questions to think about as you go. Matthew six nineteen through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The first question that I want to give you before you go home is this. Where is your storehouse? Where is your storehouse? You have two choices with where you can store. You can store on earth or you can store in heaven. One is local, the other isn't. And let me just say that it's important to store in both places. Uh, it's wise to store it for the future. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, the Living Bible says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all that he has. So it's wise to save. It's wise to have a 401k. It's wise to have a mutual fund. But how do we make sure that our goal isn't just earthly treasures, but storing up treasures in heaven? Well, there's a couple of ways that you can do that, that you can take an evaluation even right now. One way is to look at your checkbook. How are you spending your money? Uh, where's a majority of your money going to right now? And what does it tell you? What, what is your treasure? Uh, looking in your closet, all these types of things. Another way is to look at your 2010 giving statement from Genesis Church or from whatever church that you attend. We send out one every January. Most churches do. You can take the number listed on that statement and multiply it by 10 and check it with your W-2 and it'll let you know how you're doing. If you don't give a, get a giving statement from Genesis or another church, well, that raises some other questions for you. 
When it comes to life, do you stockpile or share? Uh, Do you give? Do you give generously? Do you spend more on your dog or do you give more to the work that God's doing in this world? And, And listen, if you're struggling in this area of budgeting or priorities or trapped right now by overwhelming debt, we can help. I mean, don't let inaction be your choice. I mean, don't allow your shame to prevent you from going. God wants freedom for you. We talked about that last week. I I mean it. And don't let doing nothing be an option. Take a step. Get some help. We we offer a great ministry here called Financial Peace University. There's information about it in your worship program. We've been talking about it uh, as a way of demonstrating what it's capable of. I uh, Chris and Tori Ray attend Genesis, and uh, they're 3C followers of Jesus, and, and they gave me permission to share a little bit of their story with you. Uh, here's what they write. Deciding to take Financial Peace University could very well be one of the most important decisions we made as a couple. Getting married right after grad school together, we accumulated a close to $100,000 in student loans, which is not good when you're in the field of social work. Although we had a similar perspective of money, the way we spent money was a little different. But overall, the way we viewed our financial situation was one of spend within your means, don't try and carry a credit card balance. But when it came to loans and student loans, we just had come to to the point of saying, well, you're just going to have those for the rest of your life. And so we bought into this lie for a while, believing that we were going to be a slave to these with no possible end. So we would budget each month, but each month it would be more of an exercise in examining where our money went. There was no managing at all. Maybe next month would be a normal month for us, and and that's when we can begin. We'd always look forward to the next month or the next year, and then we decided to attend FPU. We skeptically started with our guard up, willing to listen, but not hopeful we'd get anything accomplished. It took only a couple of weeks before we were all in. It made sense to us. Having someone provide you an opportunity, a platform to develop a realistic and achievable plan to manage your money was exciting, no liberating. It not only got us on the same page with our plan and goals, but it taught us to co-manage our finances as a team. We have not been perfect by any means, but over the last three years, we have eliminated all credit cards, we have no car payment, and have reduced our student loans from $100,000 to $12,000 and have a goal to be debt-free by this May. There are so many exciting aspects of actually managing your money. It frees you up to keep life in perspective to believe in the life that God intended for us, one that's not about being a slave, but rather living with the freedom to trust. And just like Dave says, we are now living like no one else so that we can live like no one else. Way to go, Chris and Tori, and many of you. You know, some set, go- set some goals for your life. Uh, don't let doing nothing be an option for you. The second question I'm going to ask you before we close is, what's your focus? What is your focus? Matthew 6, 22 and 23 says, The eye is the lamp of the body, If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, this eye analogy that Jesus uses is a little obscure for us, but it made total sense in Jesus' day. Jesus was basically saying, you've got one of two choices in this world. Uh, You can focus on your own pleasure, or you can focus on contentment and on the kingdom of God. It's either money or God. You choose. But the way that you choose choose things reflects what's already going on inside your heart and so what jesus is saying to his people is this i want you to have a new vision i want you to have a new a fresh perspective be more about contentment and less about what you need or want all the time but focus on me and so what are your eyes focused on Uh, what is your heart focused on right now is it the wish list is what you think you need and what you want 
Again, Jesus is saying, hey, don't live recklessly. Proverbs 27 through 23 says that. Be sure you know the conditions of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. There's nothing wrong with saving and there's nothing wrong with investing, but don't make your financial goals your primary goals in this world. Make sure you're not running in the wrong direction. And so are your eyes focused on money? Or are your eyes focused on things like the work of his church, the needs of a single mom or of a missionary family that needs help or a college student that's barely making it? When your eyes are focused on Jesus, you will never see the world the same ever again. I've got a book that I'm anxious to share with all of you by Randy Alcorn called The Treasure Principle. And, and, and I've given some of these out to people around the church. We ordered a bunch of them. And wouldn't you know it, they didn't make it before today. Um, but we'll have them here hopefully by next week. And we just want to give an opportunity for every family. A great book. It'll take you about an hour to read called The Treasure Principle. It's all about what does it mean to store up treasures in heaven and not just simply on earth. And, and, and I know that you'll love and you'll benefit this book. We'll tell you more about it next week. But again, what does God want to do in your life? Uh, what does he want to do through your generosity? You know, the little boy uh, in, in John 6, you know, he gave two fish and five loaves of bread. And what did Jesus do with it? He multiplied it. He always multiplies the gift. You know, even, appears, it will, even what appears to be your small or minimal gift can become so much more when we lay it obediently at the feet of our Father. The last question, and you probably could fill in the blank for yourself, is who are you chasing? Who are you chasing? Jesus said you can only have one master. You can't serve both God and money. can't run in two different directions at the same time. Are you chasing God or are you chasing money? You know, I, I think one of the greatest steps that we can take in overcoming this money-chasing thing is to grow in the grace of giving and generosity because generosity is God's desire for you. You know, five minutes after you die, when we all stand together ransomed in glory and we see Jesus face to face, we'll know exactly the way we wished we would have lived. But thankfully, we have God's truth, we have God's scripture to point us in the direction that we ought to go. I'll close with this, 1 Timothy six seventeen to 19 again. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I like those last words there, to take hold of a life that is truly life. Have you done that? He's talking about Jesus Christ here. You know, we can try all we want to top God's generosity, but we will never top the fact that he was willing to send his only son as a free gift so that we could have life. Have you ever invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, to know life, uh, a true life that only God can give? You can do that this morning. Let's pray. God in heaven, I want to thank you again for this time that we have here in this room uh, to worship and to read your word together, uh, to talk about tough subjects like these that, that pierce every single one of us in some way. And God, I believe with all of my heart that there is nothing that I can do uh, to change anyone's will, to change anyone's heart. But I believe that through the power of your spirit speaking through the word, uh, this truth, uh, that you can change every single one of us. And God, as we pray, I want to thank you uh, for those in this church that give faithfully and sacrificially 
uh, not by an amount, but by the commitments that they've made. And, and I thank you for them, God. And I pray for your continued work and in their life and in their home and that you would bless them and you would provide for them. And as they test you in this, I pray that they would see you like they've never seen you before. And God, I pray that you would show them where to go from here. What's the next step that they can take in their own life to greater and a greater way demonstrate their commitment to you? God, I want to pray for those here today who want to grow in this area but don't really know where to start. And I want to pray for wisdom. And I want to pray for those words that you're speaking into their life right now. And I pray they would listen to you. And they would trust you. And they would be willing to take the next steps, God. And you would show them where to go from here. And give them the faith to do that. And put people around them that can encourage them and support them along the way. And God, I pray they would see you like they never have before. And that as they jump out of this boat, Father, that they would walk out on that water and they would see you. That they would see Jesus. He is so worth it. And God, I want to pray for those here today who don't know you as Lord and Savior. They don't know life and, and know it truly. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, um, I'm excited to tell you that it's a free gift. It's God's desire for you that you would know him and love him and be forgiven. And if that's you and if you'd like to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior today, no one's looking around. Uh, you can just slip your hand up wherever you are. I would love to pray for you for just a moment. Uh, I won't call you out by name or embarrass you, but if that's you and you want to invite Jesus in, uh, just slip your hand up right now and pray this prayer with me. Lord God, I surrender it all to you. I surrender all of my life to you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Please forgive me of my sins and show me the life to live from here. And God, I thank you for this commitment, these commitments around this room today, God, that you would be with us and encourage us and motivate us. God, it is our desire as individuals and as a church to surrender every bit of it to you. And we're trusting you that you will show us the way to go. We pray this now in Jesus' holy name. Amen.